Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're going to be talking about to love and resent. You know, resentment has a lot of significant impact on our relationship. You know, it can erode the trust and the intimacy between two people. It is a feeling of anger and bitterness that basically arises when one partner feels that their needs, their desires, or expectations have not been met. And when they feel that their partner has treated them unfairly, you know, if that's left unaddressed, resentment can build up over time and it leads to feelings of distance, disconnection, and even content between partners. And God forbid you have children. Because if you're together and you have children and you choose to go down the path of resentment, you are also destroying the potential and the growth of a family and your children's lives and their options because oftentimes it leads to divorce. And so it's, it's amazing how much that disconnect can be felt by the entire family once two partners choose to go down that path. And it also leads to breakdown in communication as a resentful partner will withdraw or become very defensive or very diplomatic in what they say. And then they make it difficult for the couple to resolve their issues. And in some cases, resentment can also lead to behaviors that are destructive to the relationship, such as passive aggressiveness or emotional or physical distancy or, God forbid, infidelity. And to avoid the negative impact of resentment on a relationship, it's really important for couples to communicate openly and honestly about their needs, their desires, their expectations, and to work together to find solutions that meet both needs. And this may include seeking outside help, such as couples counseling, address underlying issues, or improve communication and intimacy. There's, there's a whole lot of signs of resentment to take note of. The first one is withdrawal. And that is a resentful partner becoming emotionally distant and resolve, uh, withdrawals from the relationship, either physically or emotionally or both. Also, anger. Resentment can, can manifest anger or frustration because you feel disrespected or you feel afraid. And a resentful partner may become easily irritable or blow up over seemingly small issues. Another sign is blame. You know, a resentful partner will likely consistently blame their partner for their problems rather than taking responsibility for their own actions. So God forbid they say, I, it's always you, 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 you. Also criticism, it can lead to a lot of criticism or nitpicking as a resentful partner may focus on the partner's flaws and their mistakes and they just keep on that rather than focus on what they need from their partner. You know, we have the distinct opportunity in a relationship to teach our partner how to love us, to teach others how to love us. And that is, I prefer. Tell people what you prefer. You're not shoving it down their throat, but you're teaching them what you would like. If you do that, you have a better shot of getting your needs met. 
You know, also, if a partner is feeling resentment, they also avoid spending time with their partner or participating fully in activities that they used to enjoy together. Also, it leads to negative communication patterns such as stonewalling, sarcasm, passive-aggressive comments, catastrophizing, you know, all, you know, uh, self-fulfilling prophecies of negativity. Also, the biggest part that happens most often is there's a lack of intimacy, and it and it can either be emotional or physical in the relationship. As a resentful partner may feel unable to open up or be vulnerable to their partner, it's important to note that these signs don't necessarily indicate that a partner is resentful, as they do also uh, other issues may be causing this in the relationship. But if you notice several of these signs in your relationship, it's worth exploring whether resentment could be a factor. Also, emotional lab- labels slip in and out. You know, resentment has been arising with disturbing frequency ever since COVID and even before that. But but ever since it, that exacerbated the whole problem. And it runs against the advice of most American self-help books to hold resentment. But, but you have to learn to let go and move on and laugh at yourself. And one should not nurture anger or seek revenge, bear grudges. One should not blame other people or social circumstances for your own problems. You need to look in the mirror. You know, we need to be more accountable. Unfortunately, we're living in a narcissistic culture and a narcissistic generation of people. And people are very much into victim roles and very, very unset in the idea of actually taking full accountability for their own lives. You know, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche was a philosopher. He was a German philosopher in the 19th century. And he attributed his own wisdom to the freedom of resentment, a concept distinct but related to resentment, which can weaker, uh, weaker creature feels chronically angered towards a stronger creature. And so that resentment that they build actually weakens them as a person. And so metaphorically, Nietzsche proposed that resentment works like a sickness. So as to avoiding, it, it should be a matter of hygiene. And in Western cultures, resentment is a, is, and its cousin, uh, resentment carry connotations of weakness and immaturity and lack of character. You know, no, not everyone's simmering anger receives the resentment label, but examples of how to use resentment is often noted. You know, she, like in a Merriam-Webster uh, dictionary, she bore bitter feelings of resentment toward her ex-husband. And he's filled with resentment at his boss. Or people tend to apply resentment to the feelings of less powerful individuals and harbor more anger towards powerful people. And so we have to understand that it puts us in a lesser role if we choose to live in resentment. Also, if you understand rage, rage has two main ingredients that it stands on. The first pipe that gets you to rage is to harbor feelings of being disrespected. Nobody's listening to me. I have no voice. That's disrespect. And people will collect over time 
tons of feelings about when they've been disrespected. And then they develop resentments about that. The other part is fear. When people have fears, they collect resentment because they feel vulnerable in a relationship, let's say with another person, because that person in their mind is not doing what is expected of them. And the problem is the expectations are often unreasonable. Oftentimes the expectations are victimization of yourself. And so we have this feeling that people owe us more than they actually do. But we have to understand also resentful people are always holding on to things that hurt them, like burning pieces of wood they can't seem to let go of. And and they do this to be able to throw those things back at people who hurt them anytime they please. And the funny thing is, is that by doing this, they only end up hurting themselves. You know, there's nothing positive about holding on to a burning hatred and anger for so long. You know, if you're going to let that consume you, you're going to give anyone you resent more power than you actually have in your own life. And most of us know a resentful person. However, there's one thing we must always keep in mind. More often than not, we think that those who experience this deep self-destructive feeling are people who didn't learn to forgive others. But that is actually a very complex subject of many nuances. So let's talk about forgiveness. What forgiveness takes is the desire to stop looking at the horrible thing that somebody did and actually trying to understand what or how got you to make that decision. How did you decide to make this decision? How did you decide to do this? What made you think that this was the right thing to do? That's understanding the intention. And intention is the ingredient that gets us to forgiveness, is understanding that. Unfortunately, Many analytical people will try to tell you their intention before you ask for it. You need to ask for intention if you want to forgive someone. You know, uh, a lot of resentful people have been victims of complicated and hurtful situations where they didn't see any other way out than bottling everything up inside as anger. And when we see the reason behind this feeling, we also might understand it. Nonetheless, it's not a healthy feeling at all from a psychological point of view. The first reason why it isn't healthy is that it's characterized by a highly harmful act, which is it's chronicle. It, 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 the fact that it is, is chronic and the fact that it just keeps going, this is an anguish state that tends to prolong over time and to the point where it can interfere with other aspects of a person's daily life. There's lots of whining, there's lots of complaining, there's lots of nitpicking, there's lots of anger, there's lots of fights, there's lots of irritability, and all of that stacks up over time, and it turns into stonewalling and, and moving back emotionally and not trusting each other. And it's unfortunate that people get themselves into these situations, but they hang on to resentment like it's crack cocaine. You know, it's not uncommon for their mood to change. Also, it's not uncommon for them to stop trusting people, have sudden attitude changes, mistreat other people. Resentment is like rust. It, it spreads and ends up debilitating the entire structure and identity of people. Also, resentful people keep a safe inside them. Inside that safe, they hide the pain they felt during betrayal, the pain a lie caused, the sadness of abandonment. They keep this safe because they don't want to forget any detail of those experiences. They pretty much turn this pain into anger, and this anger leads to hatred. And that hatred is a simmering, 
ongoing resentment. And people will enter the covenant of marriage, the covenant meaning a God-blessed marriage, and they will actually live in resentment instead of live in love. Love is compassion. That is the act of love. Compassion. Resentment is hatred. And resentment will get you to apathy, which is the opposite of love. Apathy means I don't care anymore. And if you go down that road of resentment, eventually, eventually after agonizing pain of both people and all people that are in the party of resentment, there is going to get to be apathy. One of you or both of you or all of you will eventually say, I just don't care anymore. I don't care. I'm done. And when you've done that, that's where divorce happens. That's where breakups happen. That's where people can't recover. So the idea is, and I always say this when I'm doing marital counseling, is if you're still yelling at each other, if you still hate each other, there's still love there. And that means there's a possibility that we can make it work. But when we get to apathy, it's going to be really hard to turn that wagon around. You know, the, usually the part of the dangerous formula is revenge, too. And although it sounds physically aggressive, it isn't meant in a direct or violent way. All they want is the other person to get a taste of their own medicine and to feel bad about what they do. So they throw guilt and shame at them. They do a lot of comparatives. They do a lot of calling them names, narcissists, whatever. They do a lot of damage in that uh, the idea of their vengeance towards another person. When we all know that forgiving isn't the easiest thing to do, however, we must keep in mind that it's an important thing to do if we want to get closure and move on with our lives. So resentful people don't want to forgive anyone. All they want to do is feed their pain by replaying the triggering event over and over and over and just ruminate over that. But let me tell you something. What's really amazing, if you think about it from a God perspective, if you're in a committed relationship, that relationship on earth is correlated to exactly the same type of, of give and take, uh, of thinking of the other person first, thinking of doing what's right instead of what I want us to do, which is exactly what correlates to our relationship with God. And if you treat the relationship on earth that you're committed in, I will do this relationship. If you treat that, that relationship with that other person like garbage and you filter it with resentment and anger, you can exactly figure out where you stand with God by how you treat that person. That's where you stand with God. How you treat your children is how you believe that God loves you. And so this whole thing of a system of a family is all based on your faith and it is very very accountable and what's really sad is people that choose to live in resentment know they're doing the wrong thing but they just can't help the addiction to it and it's really sad that they live in that kind of a life because it directly affects their ability to have faith in God. They may read the Bible, they may go to church, they may say they have faith, they may donate, they may do nice things for people, but in the end, their soul is rotting. And that is because they hold on to resentment. 
We are supposed to forgive our main job, the international language of all people on the earth, no matter what faith or not faith, whatever, is compassion. Compassion for you, compassion for yourself, meaning that I will eliminate toxic people, toxic situations from my life. That's compassion for me. Compassion for you means I care about you. Even if you're despicable, I still care about you. And that is what we owe each other. Unfortunately, our egos get caught up in resentment and resentment builds over time because it doesn't, uh, whatever uh, another person thinks of us doesn't match up with what we think we're entitled to be thought of. You know, as despair intensifies and anguish intensifies, that's what happens when we live in resentment. You're either with me or against me. That's so black and white. That's not life. You're either good or bad. That's black and white. No, we all have good in us. We all have bad in us. We all are more right than we are wrong. But that doesn't mean we're correct. We all have our own perceptions, and we're entitled to that, and we must be heard. And people who love us are supposed to listen to us, but they're not supposed to solve our problems. They're not supposed to answer our emotions. They're supposed to validate. I understand. I hear what you're saying. Okay, I get it. So what you're saying is this, and that must be very difficult. It's called empathy. It'd be nice if we gave more of that and stopped trying to to solve the world's problems. Then the people in the world who have problems may actually take accountability for them because you're not trying to do it for them. Also, pride is a battle horse that invades and annihilates everything. Resentful people are always on the defensive. Here's the problem. If you're in a committed relationship, if you're going to do conflict, the only reason that you would ever do conflict in a relationship is to make the relationship better. So if you're going to be defensive, that means you're trying to be right. You're in the wrong place. You're not supposed to be in a relationship and try to be right. You're in a relationship to listen. That is what you're supposed to do. It's about feelings. It's not about being right. It's about understanding each other's meaning, how each, how each other, what, what situations mean to one person compared to another person. That is very important. People that listen and just listen and just validate and the people that ask the best questions are the smartest people in the world. The listener is in charge of the conversation, not the speaker, the listener, if you understood that, maybe you would do a better job in your own relationships. It's not that easy to it's not easy to coexist or have a conversation or reach an agreement with a proud person because you know that in the end of the day, they'll take everything personally. Prideful people are sensitive people. They are insecure. So confidence is quiet. Insecurity is loud. So if you're going to live with somebody who is insecure, they're going to be prideful. They're going to be stubborn. And that means they are insecure and very dramatic and very loud. People that have confidence know they're smart, but they don't try to prove it. People that are wise use their wisdom to help other people, but they don't try to prove how wise they are. This is what's important. We don't try to use our talents as a one-up. 
We don't try to develop a power differential in a committed relationship with another person. We try to draw from each other's resources to make our life better. Unfortunately, power is what corrupts and power is what creates resentment. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about to love or resent. You know, we all get hurt sometimes having negative feelings about that person that hurt us. And it's not frowned upon, actually, by other people. They think uh, that we have the right to be resentful. However, being permanently angry and resentful and not being able to detach ourselves from the event and the pain is not psychologically normal. And feeling like this on a daily basis really causes a lot of bitterness. If you think about it, if I'm going to choose to resent you for a bad transaction, and there's a lot of bad transactions in life, things that don't go the way we want them to. Can't we just leave it as a bad transaction? Do we have to throw it in the collection of a thousand things that we resent? Can we just back off and call a bad transaction a bad transaction and say, what can we do better? Why can't we do that? Why do we have to dwell on how bad another person is? Because we have the same potential to be just as bad as they are. And we have just as many corrupt thoughts as anybody else. 
So the bottom line is we don't want to put ourselves above other people. That's what resentment does. And so the bottom line is if you're going to hang on to it, you're in the business of tearing other people down. And if you want to be that to be your legacy of how to tear other people down throughout the course of your life, you will die and nobody will remember you or they will be glad you're gone. If you live in resentment, you have forgotten your purpose in life. And your purpose in life is not about you. It is about others and how you help other people and how you in a committed relationship, a covenant before God if you're married, a covenant that you actually took verbal uh, a commitment towards, the bottom line is you have an accountability. And if you're going to go against that and choose to live in resentment, you are choosing to live in fear, worry, anger, despair, and you may as well understand that you're just coping with life and you're probably already spiritually dead if you live in resentment. Unfortunately, a lot of people do this. Moving on doesn't necessarily mean forgiving everything. It means making use of strategies to deal with your wounds, open yourselves up to new opportunities, and uh, those who don't give themselves a chance to escape from their frustrations will live a full life of grudges and spite. And that's not a life to live. You know, we have to understand that we moving on doesn't mean forgiving doesn't mean you're going to forget. You know, once a word of memory leaves your mouth, it's likely that word will never be forgotten. However, what you've only the only way you can somewhat recover from words that you bring out that hurt other people is the fact that they may have the propensity to forgive you. If that forgiveness happens, that's a great thing. But forgetting, that's not going to happen most likely. And over the years, it will be thrown back out you, at you when you do something similar to that. You know, a behavioral psychology article talked about an interesting study in a topic that was conducted in Ontario, Canada. And in the study, the, the researchers discussed the importance of giving resentful people appropriate tools that would allow them to welcome emotional forgiveness to their lives. And there's a simple reason that this is really important. Basically, it allows us to get rid of our negative emotions in order to create a new psychological reality. You know, on the other hand, it's important for resentful people to try to have flexible thoughts. With the help of this exercise, they'll be able to start seeing things from a perspective. Likewise, it's also convenient to offer them exercise that can help them manage their anger appropriately. And last but not least, resentful people need to learn to start to focus on the present instead of the past. The past and projecting a negative future is what takes our life down the rabbit hole of resentment. You know, the more that we know about the human psyche and its neurobiology, the more interested we become in our emotions. And, and there's a lot of commanders of our action because mental issues. You know, resentment is especially intriguing because its secret quality, its connection to violent acts and trauma, and its large role in, her, in interpersonal relationship. You know, there's a desire for revenge. There's punishment, frustration, alienation, outrage, fury, wrath, hostility, furiosity, biz, uh, bitterness, hate, loathing, scorn, spite, vengefulness, and dislike. And they're all attached to resentment. 
as a feeling and a derivative that we have when we have resentment. You know, and it, it really deserves a lot of attention. Now, there's things called primary emotions, and those are experienced the same way as every person uh, recognized across cultures, like sadness or joy or surprise, disgust, trust, fear, anticipation, and anger. And, and, and then we have what are called secondary emotions, and these are emotional reactions that have other emotions. Secondary emotions are often caused by beliefs behind experiencing certain emotions. Some people may believe that uh, experiencing anger uh, may say something negative about them. Uh, some, you know, when the primary emotions are experienced with judgment, these thoughts come up too, which trigger secondary emotions. Rage is the emotion pointed out as the secondary emotion of anger. That is the last step of anger, which is, it, it, it is somewhat debatable, I guess, in some cultures, but it seems to be more likely than an action, than an emotion, that rage is going to cause you to want to have more reasons to do what you're doing and why you're being angry. And the problem with emotions is people like to try to ask themselves, why do I feel this way? Well, every time you ask yourself, why do you feel this way? Well, there's a thousand reasons why you feel that way. And if you're going to go down that path, you're just going to build up whatever the emotion is that you're trying to analyze. You're not going to stop it by doing that. You're going to fuel it by doing that. We are always, our logical brain, for some reason, tries to come to grapples with our human emotions. Emotions are not logical. There's millions of reasons why we feel the way we feel. So if you go down that path, you're just amping up whatever that feeling is. You know, um... If you, th you know, it, the, the feeling again, like the body experiences when an individual carries resentment also has to be understood. You know, people that carry resentment have neglect, disappointment, disgust, their self-esteem is low, they're, they're exacerbated, they're always irritated. They do not feel like themselves. And so if you put yourself in the prison of resentment, you will find yourself living in that with anxiety, with bodily pains, with your health degenerating and your stress debilitating you simply because you choose to use that fuel in your body to operate. And if we do that and we live in resentment, it's really a, a, a subjected to our body to inferiorization, stigmatization, violence, and it responds to acts that have created unjustified and meaningless suffering. And so we as people do not thrive with resentment, and we have to work through it, and we have to understand it. It's often defined as anger and indignation experienced as a result of unfair treatment. But here's the deal. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. There is no such thing as fair in this life. Why do we have to grapple with being fair or just when there is no fair or just in this life? It is very rare that the human beings will concoct something fair or just in this life. Very, very rare that any of that ever happens. Those who experience resentment may have feelings of annoyance and shame. They have expectations of justice and fairness that are not met. 
they may also harbor a desire for revenge. And so a person may become resentful as a result of a slight injustice or a grave injustice, perhaps harboring the same bitterness and anger over a small matter as they would over a more serious issue. That happens with people that are traumatized. They oftentimes take a small issue that rubs against the previous trauma in their life, and then they project that trauma and all of that bag of feelings onto one person. You know, feelings of resentment are not un, uh, not linked to any particular mental condition, but instead result from the, uh, the inadequate expression of emotions after a painful experience. They may come from a true, imagined, or misunderstood injustice. So carelessness uh, made by a friend could facilitate indignation and grudging feelings. And, and, and Or maybe it could be criticism from a boss that you depend on and you're insecure in your job already. Resentment can also be a broad and applied to large groups of people, often with drastic consequences. For example, racism, religious persecution, often developed from deep-seated resentment. A person experiencing resentment may feel personally victimized but may be too angry and ashamed to discuss the resulting emotions, instead allowing the grudge to fester and be expressed in the form of anger. So here's has signs of resentment once again. It can appear in many forms, but continual or reoccurring feelings of a strong emotion like anger when thinking about a specific interaction or experience is one. The inability to stop thinking about the event that triggered the strong emotions called rumination Feelings of regret, fear or avoidance of conflict, and then tense relationships. Feeling invisible, inadequate, less than, disrespected, those will fester with resentment. Though it can be fleeting uh, when, we, when we resent, dissipating when someone realizing an event was misinterpreted or receives an apology from the person who committed the offense, it can also be persistent emotion. An individual may hold on to the negative feelings, revisit the distressing event again and again and again, and become unable to let go of anger or desire for revenge. You know, resentment also may come to affect a person's mental health. You know, uh, because resentment is a common emotion, most people experience a general feeling of anger or annoyance over unfair treatment at some point in life. But problems arise when a person is unable to forgive. That's why we need to learn how to forgive. Persistent resentment may stem from a serious matter, like a person might understandably resent a parent after years of abuse and become unable to look at the past with any sense of justice. However, when a person begins to feel like the victim in every negative situation, they develop an altered perception of reality, which makes them out to be the victim, which everything is them and as a victim in their reality. And unfortunately, people that live like that are whiners, and whiners will suck the soul straight out of your body. So, if we have to look at the ingredients of resentment in relationship, it's really important. Number one, keeping score. If the person in a relationship feels they're constantly doing all the heavy lifting in the relationship, like the housework, childcare, being the primary breadwinner, uh, initiating emotional connection, intimacy, you know, they may begin to feel resentment towards their partner. 
like uh, uh, un- unbalanced power dynamics. If one partner in a relationship feels constantly overpowered, steamrolled over, unheard, they may again harbor uh, resentment. Also, medical issues. You know, when one person in a relationship is diagnosed with a chronic mental or or a medical health issue, this may mean their partner will begin to take on the additional role of caregiver. Over time, being the partner's caregiver can cause some real resentment, especially if their own needs are not being met. And then hurtful words start to barge forward. A lot, you know, longer a couple spends time together, the more likely one of them will be say something that is perceived as hurtful. And couples who don't communicate openly when they feel hurt by their partner may have higher chances of feeling resentful. Surprise, surprise. You know, we have to be very constructive. So we have to understand how do we let go of commit or uh, resentment. In many cases, letting go of resentment means forgiving. Once again, forgiveness is about looking at intentions rather than outcomes, understanding intentions. What made you decide to do that? How did this take place? What was what were you thinking? What were you thinking? What came to your mind? You know, letting go of resentment may it may help to do a lot of things like consider why letting go is difficult. You know, ask yourself that. Why is letting this go difficult? What feelings come up when you consider moving on from resentment? Letting go of resentment can trigger fears of losing your identity, especially when the resentment has been held for a long time. Um, sometimes those who hold on to resentment for long periods of time find that the emotions associated with the resentment, such as anger or regret, also provide a sense of security or familiarity. Also, self-compassion may allow these, these people to recognize while this coping mechanism may make them feel better in the short term, it will wear them down over time. Also, you might want to think about exploring empathy. When a person or action that's caused resentment is based around un- misunderstanding or the person who did something hurtful does not understand what they've done, trying to see things from their perspective may help reduce the resentment. Also, when feelings of resentment start to bubble up, try listing things you're grateful for in that other person. I've heard people do sticky notes every day, one thing that they're grateful for in their partner, and they stick it on their mirror or whatever in the bathroom, somewhere where they'll they'll see it. And when they start doing that each day, one thing that you're grateful for in that other person, things start to build up of positive communication, a positive perspective, and all of a sudden resentment starts to diminish. You know, if neglected, resentment becomes overpowering and even toxic to a person who harbors it. And so, you know, talking to someone outside of it, getting help, maybe a marriage family therapist, something like that, maybe a preacher, maybe a priest, maybe it's some good friend that is just willing to talk to you. The bottom line is don't hang on to it. It's toxic. It is life-threatening, life-changing if you choose to hold on to it. Those who find it difficult to forgive others for any wrong, no matter how slight, may find some benefit in therapy. Believe me. You know, learning to forgive is learning to set yourself free. The people in this life that have true freedom are the people in this life that have no secrets, that we that they accept all of their flaws, all of the things they've done, all of the good, all of the bad. 
And when they accept all of that and they have no secrets, they can walk through life like Teflon. It's a beautiful thing to live in the truth. And if you're going to be in a relationship, trust is the binder of the book. And if you don't value it, you will not grow the relationship. And so it's so important that understand that every conflict you will ever have in a relationship is a trust issue. If you don't value it, you don't value integrity. And that is something that all relationships have to cultivate on both sides, not just the other side that you perceive will never do it. All right, we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back and figure out how to work ourselves out of resentment. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about to love and resent. And if you really want to understand some common triggers of resentment, understanding some of these triggers might be a way to begin to heal. You know, being taken advantage of by people, that oftentimes will trigger resentment. Uh, relationships with people who insist on being right all the time, narcissists who also love to gaslight you into thinking you're the crazy one, no matter how not crazy you are, feeling put down, unrealistic expectations of you, not being heard, interactions with people who are always late. You know, the, the, the resentment leads to the inability to go, let go or forgive or, or, you know, sometimes just temporarily, hopefully, but there, there's several signs that can indicate that you or someone you know might be on the path towards experiencing overwhelming resentment. And those feelings are anger, frustration, hostility, bitterness, hard feelings, uneasiness. It goes on and on and on and on. But, you know, when we end up having a lot of uh, inability to stop thinking, uh, feelings of regret or remorse, fear of avoidance, tense relationship, a, 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 a blow up in our relationship with God because now we're in this covenant with this person who is a turd and we're stuck with them and we resent them. That is what it leaves us with. And so when you decide to go 50-50 on making a baby with your partner, you probably had some fantasy about an equal distribution of labor, you know? And so, you know, how cute and innocent 
you might have thought back then, but back before you noticed that you were always the one who was the dump of the di- diaper pail or noticed that you're the one who always has to get dinner ready or always has to clean the house or always has to do everything, that may be an indication that you're developing resentment. You know, you really have to understand that you have to recognize the cycle. And this is pretty much the easy part. Resentment is essentially an ongoing feeling of emotional upset due to some kind of perceived injustice. So the injustice sounds intense, but when your partner asks if you can go run an errand and you get all butthurt because you did such and such earlier in the day, that is exactly what you're feeling. And that feeling of injustice makes you act like a sad, grumpy jerk. In response, you may withhold affection. You might get nasty, irritable, and this in turn will make your partner feel resentful, particularly if they feel they've carried much of the load. So one resentment triggers the other and your relationship starts to circle the drain. Meanwhile, your, your kid, who's a baby, is sitting there witnessing the feelings of all this and uh, they they have to understand that this is going to affect that child's ability to feel safe with both of you and feel safe in the world. You know, so you want to break the cycle. So, you know, you're going to need to communicate about how you're feeling. But the important part is that you're not going to do what you actually have all of the feelings about. You're going to calm down and recognize your place and what's going on. And sometimes you just need to do what is right. That is the bottom line. Do what is right instead of what is easy. Do what is right instead of what your emotions are dictating. If you did more of what is right and what is needed in the moment, instead of looking for emotional reciprocity, you may find that resentment is not going to become a big part of who you are. You know, you want to look at your feelings first. You can't start until you put a fine point on what the cycle looks like for you. So you got to do some work and make it better. You know, uh, find out what your partner did or didn't do that sparked your resentment. Understand what it is you truly want that wasn't being met to spark the resentment. Understand that you are responsible for your own feelings and how you choose to react, not your partner. Only you. Each of us are responsible for how we choose to respond, how we choose to use our emotions. It is no one else's business but ours, and we have to take accountability for that. You know, do you want to be, you know, do you want to be appreciated? Do you want to be found more desirable, or do you want to look like this nasty person who wants emotional reciprocity? You know, recognizing negative feelings that are sparked when your wants aren't met Be more specific than that. My partner is being this or that. Maybe they're busy. You know, why don't we understand that most of the time we are all well-intended people? We may get bad outcomes, but we're well-intended people. You know, we can negotiate outcomes. We don't have to get angry about what is being asked of us. We can negotiate an outcome. You know, I can do this, but I'm going to have trouble doing that. I need to do this. Can you do this? We'll do this. How about we we do it this way? You know, why don't we try to find something in the middle instead of being all butthurt about being asked something and feeling like we've been treated unjustly? You know, you also want to talk it over. 
you know, bring it to the table right away. This means you have to be honest and vulnerable. But if you're going to turn into this big uh, 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 crosstalk parent-to-child crap where nobody's listening, uh, that's not going to be good. So take a time out. And whatever the years of the average years of both of your lives are, put that average in. If it's 40, then 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Take a break. But you better call time back. Do not call a time out without calling a time back. That is foolish and irresponsible. You know, the hardest part might be revealing your softest part. You know, explain why you're bringing something up. You know, acknowledge your part of what's going on. Explain why you feel resentful sometimes. Use I statements. Own your feelings. I feel resentful when this happens. Apologize if you've been a turd. Show empathy for the way your partner feels. This is a way to not live in resentment. It is so important. You know, once you've had this, you know, a heartfelt talk with your partner, it's time to be mindful about the way you approach your daily life. The fact is that you're not capable of changing anything your partner does, but you can totally choose to act and react differently. You know that you're both working towards the same goal, raising an awesome child, let's say. You know, the other thing is, if you're going to think that and go down the investigation pipeline that your partner is having an affair, well, don't be banging on your partner about you thinking they're having an affair. That is not a good thing to do. Keep it to yourself. Shut up and think, hey, it's not if they're having an affair because I can't control that. The only thing I can control is what I will do. So make a choice on what you will do if they have an affair and go down your path of investigation. But don't take it on your partner. Just go down the path of investigation. If you find that they're having an affair, do what you chose to do. If it's get a divorce, that's what you do. But make up your mind. Don't blame them for your inability to know how to respond. You know, the other thing is, is that you have to give your partner the benefit of the doubt. That means that they are well-intended. And try to shift your perspective. No, this deal will never really be going 50-50. There is not 50-50. We all have to ebb and flow with what is needed when we have a relationship, when we have a family. We ebb and we flow. That is all we get. We don't get 50-50. And it's going to shift throughout your life. And that's what being in a partnership is all about. You know, with, with, with so many things that are going on in this life, resentment has become more widespread and more intense. The fact is, is that our government and the world and the global economy and all the other countries in the world have gaslighted the hell out of every human being on the planet. We are all brainwashed because we're stuck in front of these televisions all day long or listening to podcasts or listening to the radio or listening to the social media or the Facebooks. And we let everybody influence us and everybody get away with all kinds of crap and put it into our brains. But the fact is, is that we are supposed to be what we were created to be, at least in the United States, which is what's called rugged individuals. We make our own path. That means I statements, not you statements. And we're losing that. We're losing it because now our government is corrupt. And it's always been corrupt, but it's even more corrupt than it's ever been. And there's people making weird decisions that have nothing to do with the majority of people. And so we don't know what's happening. 
And a lot of people are feeling anger and resentment towards the government. And that rubs off in our life towards our partners, towards our children, towards our friends, towards anybody that we choose to resent. And our, our ability to harbor resentment is greater and greater and greater because we have so much disrespect as a human being in our culture. The anger related to recent and current events, it fuels our contributing factors because we are getting so familiar with victim themes. But victims are narcissists, and that is not what we want to be. So anger is a normal emotion. It is a natural emotion. And in many situations, it's a healthy and appropriate emotion because it can be used to motivate you to actually do something that's good. It's also an emotional response to a real or imagined wrong or injustice, but sometimes people get angry simply because things don't go the way they want them to. So anger takes place in the present when life isn't going the way we think it should, and in this way, anger has a corrosive effect. It is a fight against a present moment reality, a refusal to accept what is. And it's like an acid, as Mark Twain put it, that can do more harm in the vessel in which it is stored than anything on which it is poured. You know, it's a secondary emotion also, and it can take shape instantly and unconsciously to respond to something or someone that evokes those feelings. And so it has very strong purposes. It works as a shield that deflects uncomfortable primary emotions. It provides a sense of power and control. It directs focus outward to identify external scapegoats like individuals, groups, or institutions. It almost always easier, more comfortable to focus on the actions of others than to focus on yourself. So we tend to project our feelings of anger of ourself onto people that we love and feel comfortable with. And it's also resentment is closely associated to anger. And, and these are negative feelings, basically ill will towards someone or something that emanates from the past. And so it's a re-experiencing re past injustices and collecting narratives to prove ourselves correct that this person is that thing that we label them as. So we and do our bias research to collect various things that they've said over time or done over time to prove that that person is that. And then we forget the 99% of the objective research. You know, a lot of people will hold this stuff for years. So what you want to do is practice identifying and allow yourself to feel the emotions that allow you to feel anger and resentment and strive to be present and accept the feelings. Practice being consciously present with your anger and resentment. Observe it. Simply allow it to be and visualize it. But you don't have to share it. Identify how you may have contributed to the situations that you are angry and resentful about. Practice expressing anger and resentment differently than you've done in the past. You know, I feel angry because this is what's going on. This is how it affected me. And this is why I feel this way. That That's how we do it, guys. You talk to your feelings. You don't have to verb, use verbosity. You don't have to use your tone. You don't have to diminish other people. Talk to your emotions, and that is the safest way to express them. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember... 
Resentment is like a drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's St. Augustine. Also, anger is an expensive luxury. Also, we need to thank our middle finger for standing up for us. And also, controlling your anger is just another job. And humor is anger with its makeup on. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 